This is the Political Monitor Podcast, brought to you by the Concord Monitor. In today's show, we check in with Ted Cruz and Hillary Clinton, and we preview the GOP debate. So, my name's Clay Wirestone. I'm a writer and editor here at The Monitor, and I'm glad to welcome to the podcast today our managing editor, Jonathan Van Fleet. Hi, John. Hello, Clay. Happy mid-January to you. Why, thank you. And and all Monitor reporter, Nick B. Reed. Hi, Nick. Hey, Clay. Uh, Glad to have you here. So, for the folks who can't see us, uh, the pleasure of looking upon us, I would like to point out that Nick Reed has recently gotten a haircut, and, and I have I have determined that he is a doppelganger for Mr. Orange, who was played by Tim Roth in the film, the Tarantino film Reservoir Dogs. So we are joined by Nick Reed, also known as Mr. Orange. Good visual. John is very adamant about this fact. I'll take uh, it. I um, I I don't. I own Reservoir Dogs on DVD. I don't think I've actually seen it. But you are an expert on the Back to the Future movies. You know what can I say? I'm an eternal twelve-year-old. Okay. Or uh, that yes, the uh, Reservoir Dogs not a good movie for the twelve-year-olds. So an email went out this morning to Change.org uh, participants, people who've used the platform for petitions and the like talking about a new political effort that that uh, website is is uh, undertaking, uh, and the monitors involved. So, John, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so they basically launched a new site uh, called Change, Change Politics, and we are partnering with them for a, a virtual town hall next Tuesday, and people can begin submitting questions that they want posed to the candidates, and then it's kind of cool that you can then vote for the questions you like the best. And so, you know, if, if more, most people say, we really want you to ask this question of Hillary Clinton or this question of Ted Cruz, then that's a question that gets asked. So it's a, rather than a, a moderated debate by experts, this is a, uh, an online forum where the candidates will, be, will face these questions. And they, many of them have agreed. Excellent. And the website for that is changepolitics.org. It's in beta right now, but I got the email from the change.org folks about it this morning, so I'm sure we'll be seeing more about that, more about that soon. Um, so Nick, turning to you, you uh, got the opportunity to attend um, a rally for Republican uh, presidential nominee Ted Cruz on Tuesday this week. Uh, first of all, tell us where it was. Uh, it was in Hudson outside an indoor gun range. They actually had to change the location because I guess they got so many people signed on that they wouldn't be able to fit everyone inside. So um, Senator Cruz was inside and he said he fought, shot a fully automatic rifle of some kind into a target um, while he was being introduced, I guess, by, uh, let's see, Bill O'Brien, the former Speaker of the House, former U.S. Senator Bob Smith. Um, former GOP chairman Jack Kimball, 
And he also, for the non-Granite Staters that he brought along with him were the uh, former congressman and Libertarian Party presidential candidate Bob Barr and Tim Macy, the uh, chairman of the Gun Owners of America, which um, was fitting because this was about the Second Amendment and mm-hmm. uh, the Gun Owners of America have endorsed Cruz, but that was back in September. Right, but he and he also talked about... Uh the Second Amendment and gun rights at the appearance, right? Sure, yeah, everybody did, and um, including a couple advocates for mandatory carry. Yeah, that's true. So the the moment that Cruz got on the stage, probably seconds later, um, the guy appeared next to him, and he it, he sort of started out, "Thank you for having having me here. Um, I'm from ArmAmerica.org," and people were kind of wondering what was going on because he didn't seem didn't instantly come off as a heckler, but then he went into this line. I said, what is it, you know, about you people that made you so sad and weird that you had to come out here today? Why do you love guns so much? They kill people. And at that point, Senator Cruz kind of just put his arm on the guy's shoulder and said, I can tell you're very confused. Um, and, and yeah, the guy just kind of went, went on, but they, they kind of got him off the stage pretty quickly. And then his sidekick got up and tried to sort of continue that but he didn't really even get a word in before they also escorted him off um and as these guys were walking off the property in fact a bunch of the media went over there to interview them and see what what are they all about which is only then did they get to explain this sort of satirical policy um that everyone over the age of 16 would be required to carry a gun with them at all times this was what they were soliciting signatures for, and they did get a few signatures. Although it seems to me that if you really wanted to be satirical, over the age of 16 is a little too old. Yeah, I... I, we, I believe we actually had a had a columnist for, in the Monitor's Forum section on Sunday who was suggesting that you should have, you know, have that be like at the age of one or two. But... <laughs> it was It was sort of on a strange line where everybody receiving this... You know, no, nobody could tell for sure if it was a joke, you know, especially given the fact that the, the first guy kind of got up there and seemed to try to, like, make fun of everyone for liking guns. But, um, yeah, it was sort of like people weren't signing on to it. They didn't, you know, conservatives generally don't like the idea of mandatory anything. So, you know, people didn't really like it, but they also weren't outright rejecting it as as a joke um and then the guys got asked to leave so everyone was a little bit confused yeah um and i mean taking a little broader broader perspective view of this though i mean it is interesting we haven't seen very much of ted cruz here in new hampshire and then all of a sudden here he is yeah it's been a couple months i mean well the primary's coming up he he's been focusing on iowa he did real well there now he's coming over, trying to see what he can do here. Next week he's coming back, four-day bus tour. Um, so a lot of stops. Trump had called him out saying that he had abandoned New Hampshire, and and then magically he shows up not long after that. So who knows if this is another instance of the Trump effect or if, if Cruz was legitimately planning uh, a, a triumphant return to New Hampshire. Yeah. So, so John, I usually throw these big thinky questions to you, so I'm going to do it again. All right. Um, you know, 
Um, Cruz has been seen as the Iowa front runner, at least he was in December. Um, there was not a lot of serious thought about him campaigning, campaigning in New Hampshire, really. Mm-hmm. Um, here he is. Is he hedging his bets on Iowa? Does he actually think he has a shot here? I mean, what's the what's what's the Cruz campaign thinking right now? Do you think? Um, that's a great question, Clay. So. Uh, I'm going to come at it a little differently. So if you look at our New Hampshire House of Representatives, you've got a a divided Republican Party there. They're in the leadership. And you've got the Jasper Republicans, kind of moderate Republicans, willing to work with Democrats a little bit. And then you've got the the Bill O'Brien Republicans. And these are the hardcore conservatives of the party. Mm -hmm. These are the people that are out there that have endorsed Ted Cruz. So... He may not be the winner in New Hampshire, but he does enjoy the support of a, a very conservative wing of the Republican Party in the state. So he's got he's got support here, probably more so than than Jeb, uh-huh. than some of the other candidates who have. Uh, you know, I, I don't know about Christie, but I, as we talked about before, there's a there's a battle for second place in New Hampshire, assuming that Trump winds up the the winner, and that could legitimately go to Cruz. Mm-hmm. Um, does that answer your question? It, it does. I mean, I, th- right. I think it, I think you know the notion of the constituency that that Cruz has mm-hmm. as kind of the non buffoonish most car- most conservative option. Basically, Me- meaning that, um, you know, and of course, a lot of people would argue that, I mean, and that's kind of a reference to Donald Trump, obviously. But the issue is a, that a lot of conservatives would say they don't believe that Donald Trump is really that conservative. And indeed, by that's a, what every, every Cruz supporter says, that he's a liberal in disguise. Well, that's interesting. So, yeah, Nick, so talk a little bit then about the, the Cruz supporters who, who you talked to and at the, at the event and kind of what their take on it was. Well, certainly a lot of people there... Uh, you know, maybe their number one issue is somebody who's going to be a strong supporter of the Second Amendment. And they said, no question, that's Ted Cruz. That's not, you know, Donald Trump. They don't feel he's going to stand up for them. And they feel Cruz, you know, he's fiery. He'll, he'll stand up for anything that he believes in. So it's a pretty clear choice for, for those people. And yeah, like John was saying, you know, there, there's a lot of those folks in New Hampshire. You know, Ron, Ron Paul proved four years ago he can get 23% of the support. They didn't go to Rand Paul, evidently, from the polls. So I, I think Cruz is kind of cashing in on that constituency, and he, even if he hasn't been here a lot. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a lot of people who want to want to hear actual policy discussion, and when they tune in to Trump, they get none of it. And so there's folks here that want to know, what will you do? What do you think about this, other than just the the scratching-the-surface type of rhetoric that you often get from Trump, which... Is appealing to obviously a, a large segment of the population, but there are other people who want more information. They want details. They want thought behind the words. What well, one guy said to me: uh, If you're angry and you're an idiot, you go for Trump. If you're angry and you're paying attention, you go for Cruz. Well, and I think that's that's one of the reasons why. If you're happy and you know it. <laughs> Clap your hands. Clay. Vote for John Kasich. I guess I've. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, he's not really that happy either, particularly. I think the are there any? Here's an interesting question: Are there any Republicans running for president who we could legitimately describe as happy and joyful on the stump? Yeah, 
Ben Carson. He's how could he? How could you call him upset? He's like super chill. Nothing makes well, him but there's a difference between being chill and actually being you know happy, joyous. Yes, yes. He, he I think he was joyous, and now at least the most recent time I see him, it's just subdued, like sort of frustration. Well, it's not like there's a lot of joy on the Republicans. I mean, on the Democratic side, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of mudslinging. I think it. Can we all agree that running for president makes you a joyless, angry person? <laughs> I, I I don't know. I mean, I guess the question is what people want. You know, if there was a notion that voters really craved a candidate who was going out there and tossing out rainbows and flowers, then I'm sure someone would try to fit the bill. Mm-hmm. But as it is, I think people look at, at Trump's success and certainly, you know, some of Cruz's success as well and say, well, people are angry. People are irritated. Um, you know, they, they don't feel like they're they're seeing their concerns reflected. So, you know, let's be angry or let's or let's at least, you know, show that we want to change things. John, you were you were talking, you were, you were interested in talking a little bit about, um, you know, speaking of the Democratic side talking about Chelsea Clinton's appearance in the state here recently. Yes, her appearance or her or her being in New Hampshire. Uh her her being in New Hampshire. Okay, I see. But before we get to Chelsea, I did want to uh go a little bit further on the on the Ted Cruz stories that Nick had worked on. So we had uh like to take the listeners kind of behind the scenes of the newsroom here where Nick had come back with kind of this this story about these protesters, this mandatory carry satirists, these comedians, as it were. And then we also have the very straight news story of, of Cruz and his event and the, the people there who introduced him and the rally that was otherwise for the Second Amendment. So we've got two different stories and we have to make a decision of where do we put these in the paper? Mm-hmm. Do, they, do they both go out, out front? Does one... Does one go inside? Does one do that? And so our decision behind the scenes was put the straight story out front and put the the satirists on our inside local state page. So I, I thought, I wondered to myself whether that was the right call or not. Maybe the, because it's, it's obviously what TV played up big that night. Uh, was these guys that showed up on the stage at the cruise event because it was very unusual. So maybe we should have put that story out front and a straight story inside. You guys, what do you think in hindsight? I was I was surprised originally at the decision just because you would kind of expect them to see them side by side, mm-hmm. even if they if they don't both start in the front. You know, you reefer from the front and they run next to the jump of the story that started on the front. So I was I I this what what we did was not what I expected, but I don't know that it was it was wrong either because we wanted to, esteemed photographer Jeff Forster took some great photos and we wanted to run the photos big mm-hmm. and I think it got got that opportunity side that it wouldn't have got on the front. Yeah, I mean, just that whole notion of you know it, it's it's part of how I think newspapers sometimes you know when when we're talking about just the the actual print product can have our hands tied behind our back a little bit because mm-hmm. you have to make a page that is, you know, ha- you know, a, a news, a newsprint page has certain 
signifiers and there's a certain intent behind it about how you arrange the stories and what the arrangement means. And, you know, you can't put like three or four Ted Cruz stories out front. I mean, unless a lot of crazy things were happening at the Ted Cruz event. So you have to make a judgment like that. And, and I think most of the time, if you're online, you know, it's, it's much easier to just play stories almost equally, you know, frankly. Um, and, and you know, to have, you know, a, a follow-up story or, you know, a, a sidebar or whatever, just, just be right there next to it so people can decide instantly themselves what they, what they want. And, of course, TV is novelty all the time, everywhere. So it's no, it's, no, it's no surprise why TV would play up, you know, an unexpected, you know, interruption at a campaign rally. I mean, that, that's what they would always do. I mean, maybe, unless, they, unless it's like, I don't know. 60 Minutes or PBS or something else that people don't watch. Which, you know, when the camera started moving over to interview these guys after they were thrown off the stage, a bunch of people from the crowd came over to say, you're idiots, what, you know, and, and even and even Cruz stopped his speech to say, look at our friends in the liberal media, they'd rather go talk to that guy because he shares their values. Yeah, attacking attacking the press from the, you know, while on the the stump, is, I mean that's a it's kind of a Trump tactic that he's started to use here recently, and and Cruz is doing as well. I always wonder about that because at a certain level, if you start bad mouthing the press at this event, I mean, what if the press were all to leave? You wouldn't want that. No, he throws out his comp. Trump throws out his compliments at the press too. You know, he he said, "I love NH one." Um, <laughs> During his his rally, wherever his last one was, I mean, was it was it in Burlington? No, it wasn't. It was uh, I'm I'm struggling to recall where he was when he said that. But he, this is Claremont, I think, perhaps, still going after Joe McQuaid and the union leader. But he he also said how much he loved this Time Magazine article that was written about him. It was like the finest thing, one of the finest things he'd ever ever read and so he he throws out his compliments if it's if it's flattering of him and if he doesn't like it he will he will skewer you right um but either way he's an avid consumer of the media i think well right i mean no other candidate actually cares as much about see well or at least publicly acknowledges how much he cares about his press coverage mm-hmm. as as donald trump does and Bill O'Brien, the you know, so well, Cruz's comments would go over well with his crowd because Bill O'Brien was was no fan of the Monitor and the so-called liberal liberal media. So he's speaking to his he's speaking to his peeps. He also had that hit moment in the debate where he just lashed into the CNBC moderators. I think it mm-hmm. was, mm-hmm. which well, ended up being like the moment of the night. And well, it is funny that you bring that up because when I read the day after that. All, the media, of which we're a part, was like Rubio stole the debate because he 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 criticized the the questioners, and I was like Rubio barely did it. Was Cruz that did it? Cruz very effectively called them out. He was able to give examples of all of their lousy questions and lay it bare. Whereas whereas Rubio kind of at the end of a question said, "But you know maybe you didn't want to hear that that kind of answer based on your question." So he. It, it was it was odd. No. I agree with you, Nick. Cruz was very effective in criticizing the questions of that MSNBC debate. 
Well, and that was very much the role that Newt Gingrich played like four years ago in the debates uh, for a while. And he was even briefly the front runner. And it was largely based on heaping scorn at, uh, upon the media and moderators at, at the debates. Um, you know, I think, you know, Ted Cruz is an, is an interesting character. And, you know, just because he hasn't been in New Hampshire very much, I feel like we haven't talked about him a huge amount on the podcast. But I do think it's worth noting that he is, you know, pound for pound. I don't know if that's the best expression to use necessarily, but probably one of the most polished speakers on the Republican side, bar none. Now, you can take issue with, with what he says and some of the facts behind his statements, which are oftentimes a little dodgy. But in terms of just pure kind of poise as a speaker, he's probably the best the Republicans have. I mean, I, I don't know. Well, Huckabee's pretty good, too. But, yeah, I guess if you're looking at the top tiers, then... Is then Huckabee he... still running? <laughs> They're, they're so different, though, because Huckabee, I mean, if you just look at where they came from, Huckabee speaks like a guy who's trying to get TV ratings, and Cruz speaks like a lawyer, very careful and deliberate. And, I mean, there there have been some articles up after the tangle that he had with Rubio in the last debate about immigration as to what he was for and, and when he was for it, and, and they've showed how... He has, it seems like he's been very calculated in positioning himself in a way that he a little bit can kind of play to either side of an issue, depending on who, who he's talking to and, and where. Well, and we'll get a chance to see that, uh, see um, words from Cruz as well as just about everyone else, because tonight, Thursday night, is yet another GOP debate in uh, what I believe South Carolina. This is this is the one where Rand Paul is not going to be on the main stage, but he's been on the Daily Show. He's been on a bunch of shows. So, so I just saw somebody wrote that uh, they combined like the three shows he's been on the last day. They have an audience of seven million or something like that, whereas the last debate had an audience of four point one million or something. Saying that you know this was maybe his most savvy move yet by boycotting the debate. He got his word out to more people. Um. So a lot of people are expecting tonight um, that it's going to be a, a circular firing squad in some words. There's a, a lot of angst now upon those kind of second place Republicans to, to try to get their, get their um, message out. Um, John, do you, see, do you see kind of any way out of this kind of really just, you know, inter-party attacks at this point or do they there's just this is this just the stage that they're having to go through right now i thought you wanted to talk about chelsea clinton uh wait a second <laughs> i um, i did and yet we somehow managed to start talking about the republicans again i think when you have when you have a, a tight grouping of candidates you'll try anything to get out there and so while they initially were not really going after each other, but but Trump was, and and I think there's a copycat aspect going on that like, well, it's working for him, and we're trying to get ahead, so let's go negative. Whereas for a long time, the Republicans weren't really going negative against each other. But then, you know, it's the the message wasn't getting out, and Trump's surging in the polls for mocking people and making fun of them and calling them names. And so the Republicans have gone negative. Is it 
Is it going to last? Is it going to get him ahead? I don't know. Nick, any thoughts? Uh, no, I want to hear what John has to say about Joseph Clinton. Uh, well, as do I. Well, uh, okay, not a ton of secrets here. However, I do have some breaking Chelsea Clinton news. Okay. But let's Bre- first uh, set the stage for her. <laughs> well, <laughs> you well, know, I feel tease. like this is a very lengthy tease. Okay. Um, she was in Concord earlier this week. We covered that. So you don't, want, you don't want to talk about that. You want the breaking Chelsea Clinton news? Chelsea Clinton has faced the truth meter for the very first time. My goodness, the yes. PolitiFact truth meter The very first Chelsea Clinton fact check. How'd you fare? Not so hot. Is that a new rating? <laughs> uh, she said, so, um, she said Bernie Sanders' health care plan would, quote, empower governors to take away health insurance for low-income and middle-income working Americans. This is what she said while she was in New Hampshire campaigning for her mother. Mm-hmm. Well, the fact vetted this and mostly false. So uh, that's her one and only rating, mostly false. So, well, if she can even things out with a mostly true with the next thing that Politifact <laughs> decides to check, um, yeah, she she. Um, she overstated uh, his plan and left out critical details, and, and that's that's she oversimplified it and left out details. Um, I could read you what Politifact's quite lengthy ruling says, because usually they aren't this long. No, no, that's and the uh, the summary for the the fact check here is it's impossible to predict with certainty how Sanders' plan would play out in real life. But Clinton's statement makes it sound like Sanders' plan would leave many people uninsured, which is antithetical to the goal of Sanders' proposal, universal health care. We rate her claim mostly false. Dun, dun, dun. So she was at the McCullough Shepherd Discovery Center and talking about early the importance of early childhood education and uh, really didn't, didn't make a lot of news when she was here in Concord. Um, there was a kind of a panel discussion, and folks talked about the disparity in pay between, say, elementary school teachers and early education, or early elementary ed, uh, no, sorry, early childhood education. So, like, preschool teachers make half that of what a, uh, a elementary school teacher would, a first grade teacher. Mm-hmm. And that's just not good. I mean, everyone sees early childhood education as important in giving kids a a uh, good launch pad for their education first grade and all that sort of stuff and um, yet the people who teach them don't make a lot of money and more and more parents need to have their kid in some sort of a child care arrangement because people are having a hard time making ends meet and they still got to go to work so you want your children in an enriching environment and mm-hmm. you want those people to be highly qualified, and that comes down to compensation. So you don't want all the people who couldn't make it as teachers being the so-called early education teachers. Mm-hmm. And, and that was the consensus of the panel. But Chelsea didn't really say a lot about... Um, didn't, didn't make a lot of news at that event. Right. 
and and here here we go incidentally john politico has written a story about the politifact ruling that you just mentioned politifact rules chelsea clinton's attack on sanders health plan mostly false so people you heard it here first well actually you probably didn't but by the time that this is edited and goes out i meant you heard oh well me personally yes that's true that's you the listeners are standing on the other side of that door maybe you heard it through the door (laughs) standing up against the door with the cup to their ear (laughs) listening into to our discussion so what else you want to bring up clay uh, i i am i am out of uh, out of ammo right now state of the union uplifting too many red ties you know i i think uh, at this point the state of the union is it's it's not even a story it's a ritual you know it's like a christmas tree lighting i mean we don't go and give I, I'm, I'm, I have to admit, I'm a little befuddled by the coverage of, of the State of the Union because if you think about it, we don't go and do insane front page coverage about a, um, you know, a Christmas tree lighting. It's just something that happens every year. The State of the Union, similarly, is an event that, that happens every year. Um, this is Obama's last, last year's president. Um, most people expect that there's little that he's going to be able to achieve, at least with the Republican-dominated Senate and House of Representatives. So, you know, is it interesting to kind of view the speech as a look back at his, you know, his his two terms as president? I mean, I, I suppose, but there's also going to be the opportunity to do that when he actually, you know, leaves office. So, I don't know. I'm kind of a wet blanket on that, I'm afraid. You sound sufficiently grumpy and angry. You could run for president. <laughs> You know, I might be I might be working working that up right now. You never know. I streamed the uh, State of the Union on WhiteHouse.gov, and they do a little split screen where you know you got uh, the president, the vice president, the speaker on one side, and then on the other side they've got sort of graphics and things. And they had, I will say, and it's a nice presentation. They'll blow up a graph that show that illustrates whatever he's talking about at that time. It's very, I mean, I think they spent a lot of time on it, but it's uh, mm-hmm. it was nice. Value add in the web there, mm-hmm. right? But again, what you're talking about here is kind of the opposite of of news. It's like it's yeah, it's right. more or less a, a a political event that has been planned down to the letter. Certainly, you know. So, um, and I th- I think it's interesting when you know it's supposed to start at uh, at whatever it was nine o'clock or something. It's, you know, quarter past nine and, and he's still shaking hands with everybody on the planet. And it's like, well, you know, doesn't, I don't know. I, I'd like my government to uh, start on time. taking a I selfie with the, the crowd. Yeah. yeah. I, I heard him say afterwards, some, someone asked for a selfie as he's leaving the room and he says, I can't start with the selfies because I'll never get out of here. Right. Um, you know, I think actually of the State of the Union um, events, though, the news that was most interesting to me, at least, was uh, South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley's rebuttal in which she not exactly by name, but really called out um, uh, candidates like Trump who were kind of appealing to a more kind of anti-immigrant uh, sentiment among voters. So there were a lot of there's a lot of coverage of, of that and kind of her and it's a very, and obviously it's a very high profile way to do it. I mean she's essentially doing it as the voice of the Republican Party. Um, so that was interesting. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and she's, you know, kind of getting brick bats from one side and, you know, cheers from the other within the, the party itself. So, you know, I think that's going to be the story we, we definitely see and follow throughout this year is the notion of the, the split Republican Party. You know, the, the Bill O'Brien Republicans, the Sean Jasper Republicans, you know, can they get along? Will they get along? Do they hate Democrats enough to make peace with one another? And on a national level, and we'll just have to see. Um, so, John. Yeah. Anything else? Yes. Uh, Carly right. Fiorina will be uh, be in the area this weekend. She'll be in Bow Bow Elementary School on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Uh, as Nick said, we've got the Ted Cruz bus tour swinging through New Hampshire Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. It's four days. I think Sunday to Wednesday. Sunday to Wednesday. But on the, the day on either end is just like one event. Yeah. We've got Rubio. We've got Christy. Um, Rand Paul's supposed to be going to a Patriots watch party at the draft, I believe, on Saturday. So if you're interested in watching the Patriots with Rand Paul, guy from Kentucky. you know where to go. <laughs> hmm. But, Do you know who the uh, presidential candidates support in that game? Are there any any Chiefs fans among the presidential candidates? Hmm. I don't see why there would be. Yeah. I'll go out and say I'm from I'm from Kansas, so I'll support the Chiefs. I'm done talking to you. Well, which means that we've reached the end of another <laughs> podcast here. Um, John, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, okay, and uh, Nick, thanks to you. Thanks. Thanks for listening. Remember, you can subscribe to this podcast series through iTunes or Stitcher. And for all the latest coverage, visit politics.conqueredmonitor.com. We'll see you next week.